Oh yes, welcome back into the house and uh, holidays are kind of over, who's excited about that? Holidays are over, yeah, <laughs> some parents in the room. Um, I kind of didn't really get too much of a holiday over this period, so I'm sort of planning a holiday coming up. So in, in April, uh, we're actually going to New Zealand, so uh, Belinda... Uh, Michaela, Jacob and I are going to be heading off uh, to New Zealand, which is really, really exciting. Mostly we're going to visit Michaela's mum and a brother and sister that live over there. Uh, I've got some friends with some churches over there, so looking forward to going to some churches um, and different things like that. Um, but we're there for uh, over a week, so there should be some time to have you know a bit of an explore, a bit of a look around, because I've never actually been to New Zealand before. And so I've been doing some research into, you know, different things that you can do in New Zealand. And we're going to be on the North Island because that's where uh, Michaela's from, where her family is. And so I've been looking at, you know, top tourist destinations uh, on the North Island. And as I've been looking around, this, this one sort of attraction keeps popping up that there's 620,000 people a year visit this attraction. They pay upwards of $120 uh, to get in. Does anyone know what it is? Not Rotorua. Hobbiton. It's, it's Hobbiton. <laughs> I think we've got a picture of it. So, yeah, so it's, it's Hobbiton. It's this thing. Now... I have never seen the Lord of the Rings movies, and I've never seen the uh, I've never seen the Hobbit movies because I don't kind of get in for all that fake stuff, like fake people and little hobbits, and like I've just I can see it. I've already made a lot of enemies in the room. Like some people are like. I, like, you're not going to listen to another word I say because you're just waiting for the sermon to finish to come over and say, but he was, a, he was friends with C.S. Lewis and he was a Christian and, and like it's an allegory of us and the journey that we're on and like how can you say that you... Like, and are you not going to go there, Josh? Like, you're driving right past... Uh, I might not go there. I, like, <laughs> I might drop Jacob and Michaela off there. Like, you know, we're sort of there as their chaperones a bit as well. So it's probably a good opportunity for... Belinda and I to like make out in the car park or something while they're <laughs> in viewing that because I mean like what I like maybe it's just me like obviously it's just me because you're all kind of shocked but it's just like why would I pay $120 to look at 44 fake homes because there's nothing kind of behind these things that contain fake creatures in a movie and even this doesn't this tree look magnificent this tree is fake. It's made of fiberglass and it has, I looked it up, it has 376,000 silk leaves that have been wired on one by one and then it is someone's job to go around and paint the leaves because they get faded by the sun. Can you imagine being that guy that does that? Can you, can you imagine, like, you know, you're going to ask for the Father's 
hand in marriage and he says, well, like, I need to know, like, what do you do for, for a job? And he goes, well, I kind of, I make fake things look real. Oh, so you're a con man. No, no, no I'm not a con man. Uh, I make things seem better than what they really are in real life. Oh, you're a politician. No, no, no. No, no, like, I paint lead. Oh, so you're an artist. You could... I, I don't, like, paint leaves. I paint lead. Like, it's... Oh, so you're crazy. Like, this is someone's job. Now, I kind of understand why they do it. You know, there's three Lord of the Rings movies and there's three Hobbit... Uh, movies and so filming took place over a number of years and they wanted consistency they wanted it to look the same and then everyone like most of you by the sound of it when you go there you want to be able to take an Instagram pic just like this that like looks exactly like what you have seen in the movies because we want consistency we want things to look exactly the same and kind of McDonald's like thrives on this same principle. I mean, you could make a hamburger 10 times better at home, but they can make it consistent. Fake and plastic, just like the tree, but consistent. You see, real on the other hand, something that's real is growing, it changes, and it's inconsistent, and sometimes we don't like that. And I feel that as a society, we have chosen the consistent and the fake over the real and the unknown. And I feel like that there are people that are spending their whole lives just trying to paint leaves, just trying to keep things the same, known and consistent, even if what is known to them is bad it, it, it's not good but they're just so busy they spend their whole lives just painting leaves now there was kind of there was one lord of the rings fan that actually went to this place every single day for three years and he would sit under this tree he'd pay the entrance fee he'd go and he'd sit under the tree and after sitting there and staring at this tree sitting under the tree for three years, he did notice something had changed. And so he went over and he grabbed it. And what he saw was it grew fruit. No, it didn't really. Like, <laughs> we know that there's a biblical principle that says like begets like. Like, like we're made to reproduce after... Everything is made to reproduce after its own kind. So surely a plastic tree would grow plastic fruit. No, because there's another principle that says non-life can't come from life and non-life doesn't produce anything. So this tree is fake and while it might provide shade, it might provide comfort, it might provide entertainment both in the form of a movie and now for those 620,000 visitors willing to pay that amount to go there 
and visit every year. It might be the most, one of the most famous trees still in existence today, but it is not performing its primary function as a tree. Trees weren't just made for shade. They weren't just made for comfort. They weren't made for entertainment. No, trees were made, vines were made to produce fruit, to be ever-growing, to photosynthesize and release oxygen into the atmosphere, allowing more life and more growth to take place because life brings life, reproducing after its kind. The primary role of a tree or a vine is that it would grow grapes, contain seeds that grow more grapes, apples contain seeds that can grow more apples, life begets life, Hope begets hope. Love begets love. And this week, Belinda and I went for a drive through uh, the Adelaide Hills. And uh, we drove from here, we got to the, uh, the other side of Lenswood, and we saw where the, uh, the devastating uh, Cudley Creek fires were. So I think we got a picture of that up, and um, if we can have that up. So you might remember back in December of 2019, there were these devastating fires that went through and you can see some of the vineyards there uh, that got uh, destroyed uh, in, that, in that time, in that fire. And when we were there, uh, everything is starting to re-sprout. All the trees are starting to re-sprout. It's looking beautiful. And on the day that we were there, it was actually, uh, there were people that were out planting new vineyards. They were planting uh, new um, plants in the ground and uh, we actually stopped and talked to one of the, the managers of one of the vineyards. And uh, she was kind of saying, yep, that these uh, new uh, rows that have, have been planted, they will reproduce uh, fruit in three years' time. Now, she went on to say, like, they know exactly the type of fruit, that they're obviously, they're planting grapevines, so then they know that, they're not going to get apples, that they know that they're going to get grapes because things reproduce after their kind. But she also knew the exact type of grapes that they were going to do because there was some of the, the vines hadn't been destroyed and so they used that to make wine. But they needed kind of the exact same type of, of grapes on the new vines because when it all gets harvested and put together they need the exact same thing so that there's not this blend of of different grapes and so they needed consistency but they didn't go to you know plant fake trees that just looked identical to the other ones they did this thing called grafting and what happens with grafting is that basically you can take a, a root stock of, uh, of maybe another vine or, or, or something else. And uh, once that is good and healthy, you can then cut some of that rootstock and cut some of the branches from the uh, existing vines that weren't damaged by the fire. And uh, if you cut that, you can then join it on to uh, the cut piece of the, the rootstock and it actually grows and produces fruit uh, as that sort of that lifeblood flows from the original rootstock 
through to the new, um, the new branch, the new piece of, of vine. So there's this progression that's happening that's causing at the end to th- for things to keep being able to reproduce after their kind. But in this way, there is this progression of grafting, growth, and then there's germination once the new uh, grapes start to grow and produce seeds. And I think sometimes in life, we go through the fire. There is loss, there is destruction, there is devastation. And we too might be tempted to think that this is the end, the end of hope, the end of relationships, even sometimes the end of our life or the end of our faith. But then Jesus comes along and he says, maybe it's not the end. Maybe you too, because you're made in the image and likeness of God and you're part of God's creation, that maybe this same principle applies. That you too can go through grafting and growth and then germination. Hope begets hope. If you're feeling hopeless, you need to be connected or grafted into something that's going to give you hope. That life begets life. That if you're feeling lifeless and that things have come to an end, you need to be connected and grafted into something that is going to bring life. That love begets love. And so if we're short on love, if we're feeling a deficit of love, we need to be connected and grafted into something that is going to bring love. And so our world goes out and they look for these things. What can they be grafted into? But Jesus comes and tells us the answer. So we're going to invite Alicia up to read through our passage for today from John 15. Thanks, Alicia. Hi, everybody. So John 15. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He takes away every branch that does not bear fruit in me. He prunes every branch that bears fruit so that it will, be, it will bear more fruit. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. Because apart from me, you cannot accomplish nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown out like a branch and dries up. And such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and are burned up. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My father is honored by this, that you bear much fruit and show that you are my disciples. Just as the father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your, and your joy may be complete. My commandment is this, to love one another just as I have loved you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that remains, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This I command you to love one another. Fantastic. Thank you. Isn't that an amazing passage of scripture? When we think about it in the context of what it actually means. 
Because when we think, if you were to ask some people, they would say, you know, what the most precious thing on earth is. Some people would say, like, gold that has been refined by fire is the most precious thing. Or other people might say, well, like, diamonds that have been under this immense pressure are the most valuable, precious thing on earth. And like a bar of pure gold, an ingot of pure gold, might buy you a car and a, a flawless to a full carat diamond might buy you a house. But what's one drop of Jesus' blood worth? What does it actually, what did it purchase for us? Hope begets hope. Life begets life. Love begets love. I would argue that the most precious thing in the universe is the blood of Jesus. Because it can purchase or produce in us hope, life and love where nothing else can. And this verse is saying that we can have direct access to that. That just like for that rootstock, the stem of the vine, if it allows itself to be cut, if it allows its lifeblood to be exposed, to maybe drip to the ground, that then it can enable another branch to be grafted in. That Jesus himself hung upon a tree, allowed his lifeblood to be shed. And although we were cut off, we cut ourselves off, destined for death, destined for destruction, as this passage said, destined for the fire, But now, we get to be grafted in. We get to be grafted in to have this precious lifeblood of Jesus, also called the Holy Spirit, that can start flowing through us. How amazing is that? That then fruit and life can start to flow through us. But Jesus is the source of that life. Of that hope. Eugene Peterson, who translated the message version of the Bible, he talks about the need for the Holy Spirit within the church. And he said, when the Holy Spirit starts to flow, he says, the church is a colony of heaven in a country of death. And that is what Lifehouse gets to actually be a part of. We get to be part of this life-flowing Holy Spirit that's doing something that enables us to be a colony of heaven in a country of death. So we are not here to get converts. We are here together to become disciples, to be connected to that lifeblood. The church isn't a place. It's a group of people that live on mission. That we can either... Focus on filling churches with people 
or we can focus on filling people with God, of connecting them to the only source of hope, life and love that is evident in this world. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend my whole life just sitting under a tree painting fake leaves, hoping that nothing will change. Because I need something to change. Our world needs something to change. I want to be connected in to the life source, grafted in to a community. I want to be ever-growing. And I want to be germinating. I want to be producing fruit after the kind that I have been grafted into. In short, I want, by the end of my life, by the end of the year, in fact, by the end of today, I want my life to be more like Jesus. And so simply, that is our vision for 2024. More like Jesus. That's all we want to do. We want to connect people in. We want them to, for us all to be more like Jesus. Our key verse for this year is Ephesians 5, verse 1 to 2. It says, imitate God, therefore, in everything that you do. And even when we read that, we might think, well, oh, how, how can I do, like, how can I, do, I, I can't ever look, I can't ever look exactly like God, so maybe I'll just be like that tree and just present an image of what it means to look like God. But no, God's not calling us to be fake. He's calling us to be connected. That only when we're connected and grafted in and that lifeblood starts to flow into us, the Holy Spirit fills us, that then we can do this. It says, because you are his dear children, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us a pleasing aroma to God. So, we want to look like Jesus, we want to live like Jesus, and we want to love like Jesus. Because we have been loved by Him. We have found His love to be the most precious thing in all of the universe. And so we've allowed our life to be grafted in to his. This life and love now flows through us because we have allowed ourselves to be grafted in. But rather than call it grafted, grow and germinate, because we kind of feel that we're believing that by the end of the year, there's going to be more people grafted in to God's family that maybe haven't heard this message and we wanted to make it as simple and as easy to understand as possible. So rather than grafted, grow and germinate, we have decided to call this same progression that takes place in our lives as gather, grow, go. Gather, grow, go. And although anyone and everyone can, and we hope that all of us will be involved in all three parts. So you'll see here that's part of that progression, that it starts with the gather, goes to the grow, and then 
and then the go. But it's a progression. This takes time. That just like for those newly grafted vines that we saw, and just like for the 12 disciples, this was a three-year process. So by the end of the year, you might just focus on being grafted in, on being connected, of coming here more regularly on a Sunday morning and just allowing his lifeblood to flow through you, allowing his Holy Spirit to fill you, to experience that love, that life that can only come through Jesus. But for some of you, you already feel as though you're grafted in, you already feel as though you're connected, you're part of God's forever family. And so you want more. And so for Greenhouse, uh, this year, starting on this Tuesday at 6.30, we begin a three-year in real-time journey through the Gospels together. So you're not necessarily signing up for the next three years. You can just come to one or you can come to a series of different things. But if you do commit to regular attendance, if you get grafted in, then across those three years, there's going to be an opportunity to delve deeper into discipleship and practical community-centered theology that is focused on bearing fruit in our lives. Not focused just on studying the word, but we study the word so that it will bear fruit. And over the next three weeks of our vision series, we'll delve deeper into those three parts, into what it means to look like Jesus, live like Jesus, and love like Jesus, or to gather, grow, and go. And Tash, Mark, and myself will not only preach those areas, but we'll we'll actually spearhead those key areas within the church. So Tash is focused on the gather, which is what we do here each and every Sunday, plus the gather nights that we just had uh, this week, uh, other special gatherings like Easter and Christmas. And this is the first and most important step to get us connected in, to get us grafted in to the family of God. Mark is next with the grow phase of things. And this happens in life homes, in men's, in ladies, uh, even things like our freedom in Christ, our prayer healing, alpha programs, things that are not necessarily designed to fix us, which is oftentimes what people think. They think that, oh, I'll just go and sit in Mark's office and uh, we'll do freedom in Christ or something, and that will fix me because I'm broken. No, it's, it's a growth thing. So this is a grow area for us. It helps us to grow together into spiritual maturity as we start to apply these biblical principles, these biblical truths about who we are um, and who God is calling us to be um, within this, uh, as we apply these spiritual and biblical principles to our lives. And then I am doing the go section. And so for that, we're all going on a class excursion to Cambodia and Iraq. No. So it's not necessarily just about going physically, 
But again, it's about going spiritually, about doing things that are going to bear fruit in our lives, stepping out spiritually through servant leadership. So this is where we are called to to bear fruit. This is loving like Jesus loved. And it's the end result of our faith. Not to have perfect church attendance. Not to give more than your 10% tithe. Not to have perfect theology or secret knowledge about the end times. But to just love our world. To love our community. To love our local church. Because... I told this is how the world will know that you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. Our love for one another is what bears fruit, Christian fruit, sweet tasting fruit to our community, and then we get to share it to our community beyond. Okay, so for some of you, this is the end of the message. That doesn't mean you can go home because in a moment we're going to. Uh, pray, not just right now, but in a moment we're going to pray for the, the three of us that are spearheading those uh, different departments, and then we're going to pray over all of you, um, which is going to be awesome. But as we are talking about being more like Jesus, some of you still want more. And I want you to always know that when it comes to God, there is always more but I see it kind of a bit like this I don't know if you've ever been to a fancy restaurant but when you go to a fancy restaurant and you order a meal the chefs have been working super hard kind of out the back preparing the meal and then the waiter comes over once the meal is finished and they start to put the plate down in front of you and they start to kind of describe the dish and it kind of sounds like that they're speaking in tongues or something because you have no idea what they're saying. So they're kind of saying, Madame and Monsieur, this evening for you, we have the thrice-cooked lamb shoulder with sitting on a honey-infused crack bulgur with a jus over the top, micro-herbs and a zesty foam that has been infused with the tears of unicorns or something like, (laughs) you have no idea kind of what they're saying. But it kind of doesn't really matter if you don't know what they're saying. You can still taste it and it tastes good, doesn't it? And that's that's what the gospel is like that you can taste it and it tastes good, that you can experience the gospel, that if you just get connected in and that lifeblood starts to flow in and through you, that you will start to bear fruit just by being connected in. It's inevitable. Like this is what, this is, this is the life that God wants to give to us. And so I feel that this is like my messages sometimes that I've spent weeks or months sometimes in the kitchen with God 
It's a, it's a, my job is, is beautiful. I get to spend all this time in the kitchen preparing these things and then I get to come out and I can deliver them and you can just taste and, and you can hear the message today and just be like, more like Jesus. I got it. I taste it. I want it. That's great. But for some of you, you kind of go, well, I, I want the master class. I, I want to know the steps that it took to prepare that meal so that I can reproduce it at home. So for those that want to know kind of the, the thought process or the progression as to how we came to this dish that we're presenting of more like Jesus, sort of the next seven, eight minutes are for you. Okay, so this is, if it's too complex or it doesn't make sense, just taste the meal as I presented it. If you want the master class, this is how uh, this sort of uh, partly came about. So, step one, get a 28 centimeter baking dish. No. So the first step for me was I was just I was praying for you all. This was uh, towards the end of last year. I was praying for you all because. I think that you're an amazing church. You're the most amazing church I've ever led. Um, but I think that I always want to give you more, more of Jesus. And then I was thinking, well, if, if I want to give you more, and you want more of Jesus, and Jesus wants to give more of himself, then what's the barrier? And if it's my job to help bring down those barriers, how can I do that better? And so I kind of came to the conclusion that you are the barrier. Is that a good vision? No. But what happens is many lovely people come and they sit in my office and they say, I just, I want to hear from God. But God is silent. I don't hear God and yet when they say that, I, I go, but, but yeah, God is speaking all the time. And as I talk to them further, I can see that God has actually been speaking to them too. But they discount it. Not because they doubt God, but because we doubt ourselves. But it's like at that point the journey ends, that the branch gets cut off. That God has spoken out something and then God is patient. He's not in a hurry. He's just waiting for obedience to that word. Whereas we are waiting for an easier word. A word that we can fulfill without having to change because we like consistency. And a word that we can fulfill without the help or the lifeblood of Jesus flowing through us. Something that we can just achieve in and of ourselves. So the solution then is not a new word. The solution is more of Jesus. That we need to be connected into him in order to fulfill the word that we feel as though we can't achieve to in order to fulfill the obedience that we don't feel as though we can achieve on our own. 
So then, I was doing a study on the Shema, because that's what everyone does on a Saturday morning, right? So the Shema is kind of like the Lord's Prayer for the Jewish people. So they pray it every morning and every evening, and they still pray it to this day. They've prayed it for the last 3,000 years or so. And it's very simple, and it comes from Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Beautiful, simple passage of Scripture. And one of the things that we're going to learn in Greenhouse is praying the Scriptures. Because the Scriptures are power, they contain life, and so when we pray them, that life starts to flow through us. But it's called the Shema because uh, that word um, here that starts off the passage, if we can have the passage back up. So the, the passage starts, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So that word here, if we can have the next picture up, thanks. So that word here is the word Shema. But it doesn't just mean listen. It means contemplate, meditate, and obey. So for the Jewish people, there was no gap between listening and obeying. So they're just like, well, if, if you're not obeying, because it's God that's giving this word, if you're not obeying, then it means you didn't listen. And so sometimes when people come in and they sit down in my office or Mark's office or wherever, and they kind of say, I don't hear from God, the Jewish people would kind of say, well, maybe it's just that you didn't obey the last thing that he told you. So the solution then is to close that loop, to close the loop between when God speaks to us and then us actually obeying and responding to that word. That spiritual maturity actually comes when we not just hear the word from God, but we then in turn obey it. But in order to do that, we need to focus less on ourselves and our inabilities, which is the reason that we're not obeying, and more on Jesus and his provision. Hence, more like Jesus. Because he is our example, and he was obedient to the very end. He was obedient to the fullness of obedience. He was obedient to death upon the cross for us. So for us to continue to grow in spiritual maturity and intimacy with God, we need to reduce that gap between listening and obeying so that God can then continue to speak in a new way to us so that it will again require a more increased level of obedience. But each time it is initiated by God. So again, there's this process. God initiates, we passively receive, and then we actively respond. And once that happens, 
God will initiate again and then we passively receive and then we actively respond. So there's this loop that happens as we close the loop and the cycle can continue. So then I wrote this. Remember, if this is too much for you, just taste them more like Jesus. But if you want more, this is, this is what went on in my head. So if we can have that next uh, picture up. Thanks, Ollie. Not that one, the circle gather. Beautiful. Can I have it here? So that I can... Beautiful. Okay, so this is how we initiate. So in the gather section, so God sees us with love and grace. So he's initiating. Then we move on. We see him as saviour and redeemer. That's our passive... So we need to see him as our saviour, as our redeemer. Not look to the world, not look to other things, but we need to see him as our saviour, as our redeemer, as the only source of life that we need to get connected into. And then our response, our active response is we worship him in awe and wonder. So when we gather together on a Sunday, my job is to reveal God as he is in his love, in his grace, in his mercy. And then our response by the time we get to the end of the message, that this is why we change things with our order of service to create more space at the end for, uh, for worship, for response time. Because this is our active response, that our natural thing should be worship. That when we hear of God's goodness and when we hear of how good he is, how great he is, our response is worship. Okay, next one. So that's the gather section. Grow. So God initiates again. God speaks to us through his word and his spirit. Logos, Rhema. So God speaks to us. So we need to be delving into God's word. So God initiates. God speaks. Then we hear. This is our passive response. We hear through seeking and stillness. This is why a couple of weeks ago I spent that time to talk about, you know, that we just want more and better and more and better and more and better but we actually need to take time to be seeking and still in God's presence and then we obey with joy and expectancy so that's closing the loop that when we actually obey the word that God has spoken to us and that's what we call discipleship so that's level two that's what happens in grow that's what happens in the small groups so in the small groups where allowing time for God to speak to us and then going through and making sure that we're accountable. That's why we can't do this in a big group. We need small groups to be able to facilitate that. And then the last one, who's still with me or who's just tasting on the Lord? Is Jesus is good. No, what is it? More of Jesus, more like Jesus. Okay, last one is the go section. So God initiates, remember, God gives us a calling and a purpose. He's initiating the calling. We would like to initiate our own calling. We would like to say, oh, I'm a prophet, I'm a this, I'm a that. God initiates the calling. We receive anointing and promise. We need to receive that from God as part of that calling. And what we're going to do in a moment is we're going to pray that anointing over you. I wish we had time to anoint you all with oil, but we're just going to pray over you to receive that anointing 
as part of the promise that he's given us. And then the response, our active response is, we serve with, humi- with power and humility. So not just with power, this is servant leadership. So this is, this is the leadership section, this is the leadership component of what we're doing. This is part of the vision. So sometimes people think that power and humility are two opposite things. But in Christ, when the Holy Spirit is flowing, we can't help but have power because the Holy Spirit brings his power with us to enable us to obey. But then we do it humbly because we know it's not in our strength. We do it humbly because we know it's only in Christ and it's his strength and his power flowing through us. So, take it out of the oven, serve and enjoy with friends. This is the end of the masterclass. But if we do that, we will be more like Jesus. Amen? So I'm going to get those people uh, to come up and pray now over us. And so first of all, we've got the board. Uh, Yep, come up, guys. And uh, Bromwell and G just want to take that. So so we're going to start with... Chuli is going to pray over Tash for the gather. Matt's going to pray over Mark for the, the grow. And then Jacob's going to pray over me for the go. And then we're going to pray in turn over you. So, yeah, kick us off, Chuli. Go for it. All right. Lord, I just thank you so much. This, this concept of gather is, is your idea, Lord. This isn't a Josh idea or, or a Tasha or Mark idea, Father, but gathering together is your idea. You have said in your word that when two or more are gathered, then you are here, Father. So, Lord, I just pray over this whole idea of gathering this year, Lord, that we will, as a church, that we will pre-decide that this is where we want to gather. We want to be here in your house, that we want to be planted, Father. We know that we grow and that we become more like you, that we can be encouraged that, um, you know, iron sharpens iron in your house, Father. So, Lord, we just pray over Tasha. She heads up this area of gathering, Lord, that you'll give her ideas and um, creative ways of doing things that we can gather here, Lord, that we can gather and love each other, care for each other and um, grow each other. I just thank you for what is going to happen this year, Lord. I just thank you that as we gather, it, it is you are going to be here, Lord. I just thank you for that in your name, Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus, grow. That's what you want us to do. And Lord, I just thank you so much for Mark. I just thank you that you've placed him here in this time such as this, Lord. Someone that, that loves your people. Someone that, uh, that cares for them. Cares for the brokenhearted. And cares for those that are bound and wants to be set free. Because Lord, that's your heart. And I just thank you so much for Mark and and putting him in this place for a time such as this. And Lord, I just pray that as he seeks you this year, as he commits this time to you in prayer, and uh, as he delves into your word, that you will speak to him, that you will show him our hearts as a people, that you will reveal those things in our hearts that you want us to be set free from, that things that are binding us up, that you want to be gone in Jesus' name. You want us to be set free. You want us to live whole lives. You want us to be complete so that we might be a greater impact for those around us. So, Lord, that as he seeks you this year, that you'll give him that word, that you'll 
unpack those things that are tucked away deep in our hearts that you want us to cut away, those things that should be shed from us. Lord, just rebind us, join us back to that vine. Let us grow again. Let us be refreshed, renewed in your Holy Spirit. Let us be joyful in the Lord and all of the things that he has for us. Lord, just set us free in Jesus' wonderful name. And let Mark's wonderful influence over this happen throughout this year in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Yes, God, we thank you that you've called us to go into the world and to make disciples in every single nation. Now, we don't do that by might nor by power, but by your spirit, God. So we thank you, Jesus, that you have called us to raise disciples and to to make leaders, God. And we thank you, Jesus, that we aren't going to be doing that in our own strength. We're not going to be doing that in our own might, but we're going to be doing that by the power of your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we just pray over Josh and as he's heading up this go section, God. God, we just pray, would you give him just divine insight, Lord? Would you give him a a word daily that refreshes him and that renews him and that gives him the strength to keep going on, God? We pray for just heavenly divine inspiration, Lord, for for words and for dreams and for visions, God. We pray, Lord, just for wisdom over Pastor Josh. We pray for discernment over him and the decisions, God. But we pray, Father, that out of this, out of this go area, Lord, we pray, Father, for strong disciples who know who they are in Christ, who are equipped and who are walking in the way that you have called them to walk, God. God, we pray for more Davids. We pray for more Deborahs, God, those those men and women of you, Jesus, who are just walking in the calling and the strength and the meekness in, in power and humility that you have equipped us with, Jesus, to go out and to change this community, to influence and win nations, God. We thank you, Jesus. That is not on our shoulders or Josh's shoulders, but that is on yourself, God, that you give us the power, the direction, and the insight, Lord. So, God, we commit this go section of the vision, Lord, and we pray over Josh, God. We pray over Pastor Josh, Lord. Would you give him wisdom? And, God, would you give him discernment? Father, we thank you, Jesus, and we commit all this vision to you in your wonderful name. Amen. Praying for everyone else now. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, um, as Julie said before, you, you give us this beautiful promise where two or more are gathered together in my name. There I am in the midst. And I just thank you, Lord, that right now you are with us. Lord, you are here, you are present in the room. I thank you that we get to come together as family and support and encourage and, yeah, iron sharpen iron, you know, refine each other. Lord, we thank you for that beautiful opportunity that we get. And in your word, you also say, do not neglect the gathering together of the saints. You know the importance of it, that we need it. Um, And so, Lord, I just pray right now that you will instill within us this desire um, and this heart just to gather and to be together. And so I just want to put the call out to you guys. And whilst we're in this moment of prayer, if you want to say, yeah, this year, 2024, as we 
We strive to be more like Jesus. I know that I want to make this commitment to gathering together, to, to coming. And if you're a visitor, maybe you've got a church that's elsewhere, but making that commitment right now. And if that's you and you want to say, yeah, I want to, I want to make that commitment to gather every Sunday. I want to prioritize that. Let's just reach out our hands because we know that the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy and he'll do whatever he can to try and get us to not be here and put doubt and discouragement and a whole lot of stuff in our ways. And so let's just reach out our hands if we're saying, yep, that's right. I'm going to, I'm going to put that stuff aside. I'm going to say, go away enemy. And um, I'm going to be in the house of the Lord on Sunday mornings. Uh, So let's reach out our hands. Thank you, Lord. Right now, I just pray over everyone, all of us who are reaching out to you and saying, yes, I don't want to neglect the gathering together of the saints, of brothers and sisters in Christ, the family of God. Right now, Lord, we just pray for your anointing to rest upon each of these people, upon us and upon this house. And as we gather, Lord, we pray that we will look more like you. We can't do that just by ourselves. We actually need the body of Christ. We need the the thumbs and the, the legs and the elbows elbows and the ears and the eyes and all the little bits that work together to form the body of Jesus Christ. And I thank you that that is each of us in the room here today and those who are watching on the live stream, Lord. So God, we make that commitment in front of our brothers and sisters and in front of you right now, Lord, this year, 2024, we want to gather together and be in your presence in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for us here today, each person in each chair. I pray for the bits in the middle between the seed planting, between salvation, between, between at the start, conversion, death to life, uh, light in a dark place where you start a journey in us. And I pray for the bit in between that and the end, the great commission, the going, the, the getting out there and changing the world. But I today pray for the grow. In the parable of the sower, it's the soil. Father, I pray for the soil. The bit where there's rocks and weeds. Father, help us to be filled with courage to face our rocks and weeds together. Speak to us, Father. Reveal our issues. Surround us with people that can be trusted to share and turn us into someone that can be trusted to be there for others. Give us insight and wisdom. Help us to be vulnerable with you and with others. Grow us, God. Make us to be more like Jesus. We ask that in Jesus' name. And today we make a commitment before you and our brothers and sisters that we're going to let you speak to us. We're going to let others speak into our lives and encourage us and cheer us on. Help us to get closer that you might produce good soil in our lives. Thank you, Father. And yes, Father, I just want to thank you that you've called us all to bear fruit. Sweet, sweet tasting fruit. That you've called us all to love like Jesus loved. And you loved by pouring out that lifeblood for us. You loved to the very end. So Lord, I pray and I commission us now as a church that you are calling us all to bear fruit. 
lasting fruit, fruit that will remain. As we remain, as we abide in Christ, as we are connected into that vine, that we are going to bear fruit, more fruit and lasting fruit. So Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that you are calling us to be salt and light to a broken and hurting world who needs to taste and see that the Lord is good. So Lord, whether it be in here as first and foremost, you call us to love one another. So whether it be through service within the four walls of the church, as an example of people, like as we come to set that table, that people can come and sit and eat, that they'll be drawn in because they see the, the love that we have for one another, that as we serve and love and give one another. But Lord, also as we, as we go out into our community, just as Jesus did, that he went out to the broken, to the hurting, to the highways, to the byways, and he invited everybody in. And because his invitation was sweet, people came. So Lord, we say, use us. Use the fruit that you want to produce in our lives this year to help be a blessing that we are called, each and every one of us, to be servant leaders to our community. Commission us now as we gather, as we grow, and as we go into being more like you, more like Jesus. We just thank you for this in Jesus' name. The team's now going to lead us in a song.